2: Good morning and welcome to Living Better in San Diego, a public service presentation of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. I'm Susan DeVincent along with Yvonne Ermey and today we're talking to Heather Kelly. She's the co-author of the book The Knock at the Door and along with her two other co-authors shares inspiring stories that began on what was the worst day of their lives. Heather, thank you so much for coming in to talk about your story with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So Heather, this book is the story of three gold star families and yours is one one of them. Uh, San Diego is a military town, but some people might not know what it means to be a gold star family. So can you tell us about it?
1: Absolutely. So uh, the
0: technical definition
1: of a gold star family is uh, a family that has lost uh, an immediate family member in service. So whether um, on deployment, killed overseas, um, husbands, brothers, wives, sisters, um, sons and daughters would all be a gold star family.
2: And you know, I have to say the title of the book really creates that visual that nobody wants to think about. And I hate to even ask, but when you got that knock at the door and you saw those men standing there in uniform, did you know right away what that meant?
1: Um, I think you you look out the people and see the Marines standing there on your doorstep. Inside, you, you know, um, there's a minute of I guess, dissidents that you want to think they're not there for you. You know, they came in the middle of the night to my house. And so I thought maybe maybe they're looking for another family and they need help finding someone. But as soon as you let them in and, you know, they come into your living room, it's pretty clear.
2: So the middle of the night. So you were alone. You didn't have anyone around you. As I know, one of your co-authors said she was at a family barbecue when it happened. So she was grateful to have all the family there to support her. And you were alone. Yeah,
1: I was um, alone living on Camp Pendleton um, in my home on base. And the Marines came to the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I was there by myself. Um, My brother-in-law was a Marine, active duty, and was stationed out at 29 Palms at the time. So shortly after I was notified, he did make that two-hour drive out. And so it was nice to be with a family member. But in those first few hours of receiving the news, I was just myself and those
0: Marines. So the book is about three different knocks at the door. So uh, every, every story is different. I mean, it's the same, but it's different. How did you guys come together? And what when you shared your stories, what were the commonalities and what were the differences?
1: Yeah, we um, actually first came together. Um, well, Ryan and Amy have a long relationship. Um, Travis and Brendan were best friends at the Naval Academy, um, so their families definitely had that relationship prior. And I crossed paths with the ladies um, through our work. We all work at the Travis Manion Foundation, a nonprofit working with veterans and surviving family members. Um, so that was kind of where our our time together first started. Um, but in coming together to write this book and telling our stories, and you know, we all got a knock at the door that that similar piece, but our our circumstances were all different and how you deal with everything is going to be different. Even though you receive that life changing news, it's hard to see where that path is going to take you. You, all, Everybody deals with their knock in a different way. How did
0: you deal with it?
1: Um, it took me a while to kind of come to the place I'm in now. Um, in the early days, the things that got me through that helped me not just sit in despair, twenty four seven. One of the things was humor. My brother in law that I mentioned, John. He and I I talk about it in the book. But in planning Rob's funeral, which is a surreal experience to be twenty six years old and sitting, you know, mm. at the funeral home, he and I used humor. That you know, when they were picking out, we were picking out a guest book and all these sort of things. John whispered to me. You know, that Rob would have loved for me to have rode into the funeral on an elephant. The most absurd (laughs) thing we could think of was that I should ride into the funeral at Arlington on an elephant. And it just can kind of take you out of that moment. And it's a way to kind of lift you out of that and Mm -hmm. kind of feel like yourself again and that we could still have those jokes together.
2: You know, you mentioned you're only 26 years old when this happened. And looking at the pictures in the book, pictures from your wedding, and all three of you women are just beautiful, beautiful young women. You can't help but feel like, wow, you had your whole lives ahead with these men, and now everything changed. Mm -hmm. It's really inspiring how you turn that around, and that's kind of the whole point of the book. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You
1: know, I talk about in the book, in those early days, I had nothing to look forward to. There was nothing on my roadmap that I had planned for. All those plans that Rob and I had made were no longer there. They're gone in an instance. And so part of that journey is how do you cope with that? And we're all going to struggle, but how do I struggle well to get to a place where I can look back fondly at the memories that Rob and I have? But still look ahead at what my future is going to be
2: so at 26 what were your plans were you guys thinking about a family
1: yeah i mean rob was planning i think to make the marine corps uh, a career so the excitement of not knowing where we would move next and you know picking up our family and yeah eventually probably having kids and the adventure that goes along with the life of the marine corps
0: so your book starts with the end, which is the knock at the door, which is, I mean, all ends are beginnings, but I mean, that's something else. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about the beginning. What was Rob like and what, how did you meet? Yeah. And tell us about your relationship.
1: Um, yeah. So Rob and I first met actually um, in college at Florida State University. I was a freshman. He was a senior, um, but he was uh, friends with my cousin, Matt. So Matt was the reason I wanted, was comfortable going to a school uh, far away from home, originally from New Jersey. Um, and met Rob through that, actually, at my first Florida State football game. We were tailgating at Matt's house, and our paths crossed. And I don't know if it was love at first sight, but...
2: Maybe really by thought. day two, you were like, I'm going to marry that man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. he was good-looking. I've seen yeah. him very good-looking. <laughs> yes. Well, I talk about it in the book. I think Matt and Rob kind of engineered it, that there was a time where I thought I was going to just go have dinner with my cousin Matt, and mm-hmm. they pulled up in Matt's green Jeep, and there was Rob in the front seat. And I was like,
2: oh. Okay. This is a nice (laughs) surprise. Let's talk about Matt's story. Um, I'm sorry, not Matt's story, Robert's story. story. He was a Marine First Lieutenant, killed in Afghanistan, November 9th, 2010. Uh, What were the circumstances? Um,
1: So Rob, well, so he had his unit. He was with 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. Um, When they left for Afghanistan, they went to a pretty dangerous area, area called Sangin, Afghanistan, and pretty quick, right off the bat, they started taking injuries and casualties. Um, Rob left on September 29th of 2010, and the first um, Marines that they lost were killed on October 6th. Wow. So fairly quickly, um, we knew that it was going to be a really rough deployment. Um, there were a lot of injuries, um, primarily IEDs, uh, improvised explosive devices. Um, and that was Rob was out on patrol with his Marines out on foot um, and stepped on an IED that exploded and took his life
2: do they tell you when they're in a dangerous situation like that I mean when they leave you don't really know where they're going do you no yeah I although I hear that there's codes people use to know if I say <laughs> this that means I'm in this area
1: I think uh ignorance was bliss a little bit on my part yeah. I knew you know that obviously going on a deployment to Afghanistan in any circumstances has its dangers mm-hmm. um but I didn't look up ahead of time the area he was going to, to know that um, the British Royal Marines had been there and also taken a lot of casualties. You know, you have to put that thought out of your mind to be able to get through day to day. You can't sit home and be yeah. scared every
2: single day. That, I, I would watch the news constantly if I knew yeah. that he was in a certain area to just kind of keep your antenna up, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Once, once we did start losing Marines, um, you know, you get up in the morning and you check, the list to see if it's a name that you recognize or a name that you know um and rob ultimately throughout their seven months deployment um rob was one of 25 marines that were killed um so they did have a lot of casualties and a lot of injuries um our some of our closest friends lost their legs and arms and um so yeah overall it was a very tough deployment
0: So you're now involved with the Travis Mannion Foundation. So did this start after Rob passed away? Exactly, yeah. Um, About
1: two years after Rob died, I was at a Marine Corps event. You know, it's a small world. um, and met my co-author, Ryan Mannion, um, and she introduced herself and explained a little bit about her family and having lost her brother. Mm -hmm. And they started this foundation after Travis's death as a way to connect veterans and family members of the fallen to the greater community and service and kind of finding a purpose after... Uh, as veterans take off their uniform, and for family members that have lost a loved one, a way to continue their service in another way and honor their legacy.
2: You know, and working closely with veterans like that and helping them transition, which is so difficult for them, but is it also healing for you? To help someone like that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's great to have a small piece in a veteran's transition journey and whether that's finding themselves as part of our community and being a part of our service projects and socials when we do happy hours and hikes and things like that, um, to whether maybe they came to, we do seminars called Leading with Your Strengths to help translate their skills into the civilian career force. Um, And and being a part of any of those things is very rewarding. And then, of course, with family members of the fallen to see myself in their shoes. And maybe it's somebody who's only more recently lost their loved one. And how can we help bring them to the place that we've gotten to?
0: I think that the military is a lot about community Mm -hmm. um, and healing through community. Let's talk about your book. Were you a writer before?
1: No, no, uh, not a writer. Uh, Ryan is the only one. Ryan was an English major, so she's she's the only one with a little bit of a background in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was new to all of us. Um, You know, the book kind of came about. We did an interview together on CBS This Morning in probably March of 2018. And that was kind of first telling our story of how we all have intertwined. And after that, that was kind of the genesis of the book.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. We watched a video of you guys reading excerpts from the book, and it was powerful and heart-wrenching to hear. Can we get you to read a little bit of the book to us right now? Absolutely. I'd be honored.
1: Um, So this excerpt is from our early introduction, so kind of introducing ourselves to the book's audience. None of us know how to do grief right, and none of us believe there's only one right way to do it. We know how to do it wrong, though, because we've all erred at various points. We've lashed out at loved ones and checked out of daily life. We've drunk and self-medicated heavily, slept too much and exercised and eaten too little. We've known anger and depression. We've abandoned friendships and self-care. You name the tragic flaw or unhealthy coping mechanism and we've all done it at one time or another. But we've grown too. We've found forgiveness, healing and peace. We've realized just how much fight there is left in us and how much opportunity has been afforded us. We've challenged each other to embrace these moments of opportunity And we fully expect to continue to learn. Our individual journeys don't all look the same and they won't look like yours. But despite our differences, we have all learned one universal truth that applies to each of us. Every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. Because after all, struggle is the antecedent of growth. It is only when we embrace the pain, heartache, and discomfort that punctuate our lives that we can ultimately find the strength we need to grow from those
2: moments. That's beautiful. It's amazing. And, you, you know, you say it there, too. The challenge is to struggle well. Mm-hmm. And everybody does have challenges. There's, everyone will have someone that they love, that they lost in their life. And so I, I think that that's this wonderful message that comes out of this book, is how anyone should get some coping mechanisms to deal that way. When this happened to you in the beginning, were there places that you could go
1: yeah, um, the military, you know, does do
2: a great job of
1: kind of taking care of the families. As we've um, lost a loved one, so there's definitely grief counseling available, and some great organizations like the Travis Manion Foundation. There's TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program, that do wonderful work with our surviving family members across the country to really help them find support and community together.
0: You talk about how uh, how death or loss or grief can change you. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel you've changed since 20, 2010 when you lost Robert?
1: Um, I think, you know, in that moment when I received that news, it's hard It's hard to see how you're going to move past that. Um, and to look back now, I, I mean, I've definitely become a stronger person, you know, that I didn't know I had in me mm-hmm. to persevere and to move through this. And, you know, at the time between the two of us, I would always say Rob, Rob was definitely the, the, the better of the two of us, you know, more selfless and... Uh, forgiving and kind. Um, But I think I've tried to take some of his traits, hopefully, and carry them forward in myself. Um, And my co-author Ryan talks about in the book that post-loss, you know, you really do find a new version of yourself and if you're stronger and tougher and can persevere. But um, for those of us that haven't had that knock yet, quote unquote, don't wait, become that person now that You know, she she ran the Marine Corps Marathon for her brother and she said, why did I wait Mm -hmm. until Travis was gone to do this? Travis would have loved to do this with me. Why did I wait to push myself to be better Mm -hmm. and strive harder and set these goals? Don't don't wait to do that. You can be that better version of yourself. What a
2: great message that is. Right. And I'm sure that he's very proud of you. You know that he sees all of that. I just feel like you've done a great job at turning this book. From such a sad, three sad stories into something just very positive. And I think, of course, in this town, being a military town, it's a very important read. We're speaking this morning to Heather Kelly. She's one of the three authors of the book, The Knock at the Door Three Gold Star Families Bonded by Grief and by Purpose. So, you weren't a writer before you yeah. wrote this
0: book. <laughs> Was there anything that happened while you were writing the book that you didn't expect? Like they say writing or storytelling can can be cathartic, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it was interesting because when we started it together, you know, I knew we would tell our stories. And of course, I can tell my story and talk about Rob and I Mm -hmm. all day long. But when it came to, okay, so looking back and what were those healthy coping mechanisms that did get me through, it was sometimes getting that second opinion. So sitting and talking with Ryan and Amy, just telling that story they were the ones that can help me look back and say but here here is what you did this was what worked for you right. and it's kind of stepping outside myself to look at the things of finding anticipation again for the future and you know that dark humor and finding mentors and role models mm-hmm. but those were those things that they really helped me kind of identify in my own story that
0: when you're yeah. when you're in it it's hard to see yeah but. I think storytelling is a kind of community yeah you know just like the military is community well, who is this book for it's for
1: anyone. Um, It's, you know, we dedicate it to Gold Star family members. um, But that is not the only audience. Like we said, everyone is going to have some version of their knock, whether it's, you know, the breakup of a marriage or losing your dream job or a death. It doesn't have to be a death in service. Everybody has that knock. And if you haven't received it yet, preparing and kind of getting those coping mechanisms ready, that we are all going to struggle. And so we hope that the
2: book can resonate with everyone. You know, Amy's husband was lost, gosh, just days before your husband was, and they were both in Afghanistan. Did they know each other? They
1: did not. Um, uh, Brendan, Amy's husband, was a Navy SEAL, and Rob was a Marine, so they were serving in uh, separate areas of the country, you know, both with their defined missions. But with their deaths being so close, that uh, part of our relationship is that they are buried, just rose away from each other at Arlington National Cemetery. And so kind of that relationship
0: kind of is built right in. All three are buried at Arlington Cemetery. Is yeah. this correct?
1: Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brendan and Travis uh, were best friends before they joined the service. Um, and Travis was killed in 2007 and was originally buried um, near his home in Pennsylvania, his hometown. Um, and after Brendan's death in 2010, his family... Uh, with the with Brendan's family made the decision to reinter him at Arlington next to Brendan, so they're
0: buried side by side together, brothers forever. Um, That's wonderful. I love yeah. that so much. Um, do you make it out to Arlington very often? Or? Yeah, I get back to the East Coast
1: at least a couple times a year, so I always try to visit um, when I'm there. And over the years, the the tone of the visits has changed. Um, you know, originally it's it's very heavy to visit and kind of melancholy, but. Now it's more of a place where I can keep Rob close to my heart and treasure the memories we had together.
2: You know, Veterans Day just passed when we honor and thank veterans for their sacrifice and their service, but I think too often people don't realize The families are also serving, too, and they just don't realize the impact not only on spouses that are here at home and left behind, but the kids, too. It's just, it's got to be, it's a really difficult life, and as soon as you have somebody that's close to you that's in the service, you really recognize what that really means for the whole family. It's unlike any other job. The fact that you don't have to do that, but they want to do that to serve their country is incredible. You must be so proud of him. Absolutely. I
1: think, uh, you know, I signed on a little blindly when, you know, Rob joined the Marines before we were married. But Oh, he did. He did, yes. But, you know, I loved him so much that, of course, jump right <laughs> in for the adventure. Um, but, yeah, extremely so, so proud of uh, his service and his sacrifice, and he didn't want to be anywhere doing anything else, so...
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, you were married for, what, three years, you said? Yeah, three and a half Did years. you travel with him ever on deployment?
1: No. Um, so we moved around the country with his various duty stations, so we lived in North Carolina, Virginia, and then out here in California, um, but I never had the opportunity to travel. He he did one deployment where they went uh, overseas and went to Dubai and Cyprus and all these amazing places and I would just he would call me on the phone and I'd hear about his adventures on liberty on his time off. <laughs> oh
0: man, and you're like, "Why couldn't I go?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you actually work with surviving family members. What kind of work do you do with them? Yeah, one of our biggest programs for survivors is um, what we call survivor
1: expeditions. And so we bring together surviving family members from across the country Mm -hmm. um, to come together in service in honor of our loved ones. So we do domestic and international trips. Um, We go every year to Guatemala and build a home for a family that's never had one in a week. So from pouring the foundation and putting those walls up, and they dedicate it in memory of the fallen heroes. I went on an expedition to Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and we worked at a residential home for victims of human trafficking. And so there was um, an old, dilapidated barn on the property. And so we worked on rehabbing it so it could be a counseling center. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, things that I never thought I would do. Like I was taking down a stone wall with an air chisel and putting in floorboards (laughs) and, you know, kind of stretching yourself out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and coming together. You know, we keep saying it, but that community piece of finding people in your shoes, like-minded, that want to... Find a purpose and move forward with intention after we've lost our lives. So it's like month. just
2: like the people you're helping to transition from military life into civilian life. Mm-hmm. They're kind of helping you to transition a little bit here, too. <laughs> exactly. Is it true that, that it's based here in San Diego?
1: Yeah. So we we have an office here in San Diego um, in Old Town, but we're a nationwide organization. So we were originally founded in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, um, San Diego was our second office wow. and we have eight offices nationwide now actually.
2: How exciting is that though, I mean, for Ryan to know that this started as something kind of grassroots kind of thing and now it's yeah. this huge national program. Exactly. We were founded um, by Ryan and Travis's mom,
1: Janet, and it was kind of Janet's vision and mm-hmm. Ryan jokes that she and her dad, you know, in their early days kind of thought, okay, this is Janet's little pet project and, you know, it'll keep her busy. <laughs> and it's grown so much now mm-hmm. and we're so proud of all the work that we're doing. The the one thing Ryan says is you know if Travis were here she knows he'd be right alongside of us but he would hate that it's named for him he'd be embarrassed oh, That oh, <laughs> humble exactly
0: Um, Well, there are a lot of resources for for veterans. Do you see any holes that are missing? Do you see someplace where we could be doing better? Um, I think one of the more recent areas of focus is definitely around employment
1: for Mm -hmm. veterans uh, post-military life. And I think that's great. I think that's definitely one of the keys to kind of reintegration back into the civilian community. Mm -hmm. Um, And finding your purpose again, because in the military, the, you know, the meaning and the purpose is kind of built right in. And yeah. that's definitely something that can often be missing With
2: We were kind the of joking transition. earlier before sitting down here and you were saying, you know, my husband's like, I, you know, I blew doors off places. What, how is, how's that going to work? Where am going to put that on a resume. But you know what? It's really just looking at the skills you have and and writing the resume to mm-hmm. that if you're running a team you're you're running budgets that's all stuff that people want i think the most important thing to remember about hiring someone a veteran is that the skills they develop the skills to work with others and 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 the dedication that military has that that's hard to come by. Yes. And a lot of employers want to have
0: responsibility exactly. leadership. Yes. Yeah.
2: Are there people that are training them with new skills, or are they trying to just expand on something they knew prior to a service?
1: No, yeah. I mean, I think there's both out there. Uh, at the Travis Manion Foundation, one group that we work closely with is called Onward to Opportunity through Syracuse University, and they operate here in San Diego, and they're helping um, transitioning service members acquire certifications and things like project management and software and things to have that tangible skill along with those soft skills and those strengths that they're coming out of the military with. So there's amazing organizations out there that are doing great work with
2: transition. And what is the website that somebody that wants to find out more about the Travis Mannion Foundation? If you go
1: to travismanion.org, we've got all our information there. There's a little tab up at the top where you can join the mission and
2: join us in our work in the community. So that'd be great for somebody that either needs your services or somebody that just wants to help. Uh, You're looking for all kinds of Volunteers. Exactly,
1: yeah. You know, we, we work a lot with veterans and family members of the fallen, but this is for the greater community. So we like to say a large part of our community is made up of inspired civilians that want to make a difference and help bridge that divide and be of
0: service and be leaders here at home in the community. I think that's incredible. And I think it's really important to to bring civilians and military mm-hmm. together because it's easy to separate those. Uh, people become detached from, from what's yeah. happening in
2: our military's lives, you exactly. know. Exactly. Well, especially too, I don't think people recognize what it really takes, what it really means. Even on a shorter deployment, it's it's rough. You yeah. know, you're missing holidays and birthdays, and and so it has to be hard when they come back. Not just about careers, but even just reattaching to life, reattaching to friendships. So yeah. it's it's tough. I think especially
1: um, looking, you know, with Veterans Day just passing and that there's a big kind of increased focus on veterans in the military community. But if you know someone who's serving or has served, just reach out to them. Be a friend and a relationship that they can depend on. And I think that does more than you know.
2: People want to reach out to someone who's lost a loved one. Sometimes, though, it's hard to know the right thing to say. You are on the other end of this. What's your advice?
1: I think just... Being open and being there for the person who has lost someone is so important. Um, Not having an expectation of maybe how they're going to grieve or how they'll respond to you, but just being there is so important. And everybody's going to kind of deal with things differently or on their own timetable, but knowing that they have that support and those relationships that you can lean back on when you're ready. I think is so important.
2: It was very telling when you read that excerpt too about all the things that you guys did wrong before you got it right. Yeah. You know, the, the the places that you fall, the depression you went into, how you kind of went into a hole and and that you finally pulled yourself out of that. But I mean, you guys really kind of exposed a lot of yourselves in this book.
1: Yeah. um, My co-author Ryan talks about, um, you know, the phrase failure is a bruise, not a tattoo that, you know, we can have these feelings and, you know, maybe do something the wrong way, but you can move forward from that. That is not the end of it. And so even if we had, you know, we, we coped unhealthy and there was different things that we did, you can
0: still move forward and come out of that and kind of,
1: uh, find the right way
0: yeah there can be positive I mean there can be positivity right Mm -hmm. like we don't always have to talk about death or remember people in this really grave and serious way. Like, you know, you said Robert was really funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that humor helped you get through, you know, uh, your grieving process. So I think probably it's different for everybody. And I I think it's great that there are these different perspectives put together Mm -hmm. into this one book that someone can maybe recognize their own grief in. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we hope through the three different stories that, you know, we all lived it very differently. And we hope that there's different things for everyone
0: that will kind of resonate with them, whether it's my story or Amy's
1: story or Ryan's story.
0: Is there anything that you wish that you had done differently or that you had known, known then that you know now? Um, I think it's hard, you know,
1: people can tell you, you know, you'll, you'll move through this and Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be better. And when people tell you that it's hard to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and you think, well that sure, that was just for you.
2: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: but I think, you know, looking back, I don't know that I would have done anything different. It's all part of my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took me a while to come to this place of, you know, where you can kind of see the future and look ahead differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it was a windy path, I still think it was good to get here.
2: Well, it has to help also hearing it from someone that's had a similar experience more than someone that doesn't really understand what it feels like to be you. Yeah. And And that's Part of the work that you guys do at the Travis Mannion Foundation. Again, yeah. travismannion.org mm-hmm. to reach out for that. The book is called The Knock at the Door. Our guest today, Sandy Egan, Heather Kelly, along with Ryan Mannion and Amy Looney Heffernan, uh, all wrote this book. Available on the website, too, by the way, thenockatthedoor.com. Mm-hmm. Is that how we can find yep. it?
1: on thenockatthedoor.com, uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yep. It's everywhere now. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Is there a second book
0: inside of you? Hey. Oh, I don't know. It took like a lot to write this one. I don't See, she's an author, so she she no, likes to write. I'm not an author, but now, I do. And, I write. love to write and yeah. read. But uh, so, wait, how long did it take you to sit down and get this story out? Um, it actually it was kind of a,
1: a shortened timeline. So we mm-hmm. sat down together first. The three of us actually, Ryan and Amy came out from the East Coast, and we rented an Airbnb in La Jolla, <laughs> um, and we sat down together in February of earlier this year and that was really what started it mm-hmm. um we sat and, and we just sat around the kitchen table and talked for hours and recorded ourselves and had that transcribed that was kind of the very beginning mm-hmm. and then you know you, we put it all together and we were all working on a on a google doc going back and forth and you know working on our chapters and talking yeah. and uh lots of collaboration but yeah it started in February, so not
2: that long ago. Not that long ago. The book just came out on November 5th, and that little conversation led to this beautiful book. And now we're happy that you're here on our little show, but you've also been, you know, on Fox News, NBC, we see you everywhere. So, I hope you do really, really well with the book, and we just cannot thank you enough for coming by today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much um, for sharing your story with us. Uh, your family gave the ultimate sacrifice, and um, there are no words that can express the gratitude. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Living Better in San Diego. If you have something that you would like Sue and I to talk about, or you just want to drop us a line, go ahead and send us an
2: email at livingbetter at intercom.com. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll see you next Sunday. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions and views of the staff and management of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Episodes of Living Better in San Diego are available on this station's website.